Spinning the Reel, a podcast by Evan and Cody. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Spinning the Reel. Today is Wednesday, December 4th, and Cody, we got a lot to talk about. What are we going to talk about today? Christmas. No, that, we're not. Oh, we just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas? No, we want to say Happy December because it's only the 4th. That's true. And I'm we already have in the Christmas shows. spirit, though. Okay. So, Happy Holidays. Yeah, happy Holidays. Do you have a good Thanksgiving? I hope you guys all had a good Thanksgiving. Well, I did spend it at your house, so... We'll leave it at it that. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but today we, uh, we're talking about a couple new movies that we yeah. saw. What movies are those, Cody? It's going to be uh, Knives Out. Knives I think out. that's a big poppin' movie right now. Yeah. And uh, Honey Boy, Honey with Boy, Shia LaBeouf, the uh, auto fiction by uh, Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that should be fun. So stick with us for that. We've got a game that we figured out about five minutes ago. So hopefully... don't tell them that. Okay. Well, we've I'm had just... this game planned for weeks. I'm trying to set expectations very low, Cody. Uh, that was episode one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, but episode one was good. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So we wanted to remind everybody that next week we're going to be doing a show on streaming and some of the streaming originals that are starting to stream out. If Netflix, you will. man, they popping them out left and right right now. Yeah. So there's a few movies. Uh, we'll just go back and forth. Uh, Irishman. Irishman. Probably the biggest one. Yeah. We're gonna talk about Marriage Story. And actually, that's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Those two. Those two are the big ones. Yeah. Um, but there's a few others. You know, we might mention I Lost My Body, an animated film. Uh, maybe the report, which is a movie on Amazon Prime. But if you have to catch up, no Dolomite, right? Dolomite, Dolomite is my name. Yeah. So if you have to catch up on some streaming originals, this is the week to do it because next week uh, that's going to be our show. Yes, sir. And go see Klaus too. It's also on Netflix. Go see Klaus. I'm bring it full circle here and do the Happy Holidays things. It's a Christmas it, movie. It's a good it movie. is. It's a fun little Christmas yeah. movie. It's got Rashida Jones in it. Yeah. Jason Schwartzman. Fun. Has Santa. Yeah. Well, so now that we've uh, caught everyone up on what's going to happen here, uh, let's talk about what we saw last week. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? Hello. The party? Pre-my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. All right, we, we saw Knives Out. Yes. You want to you wanna tell the people what Knives Out is all about? I'm happy to tell the people what Knives Out is all about. So it's it's kind of a classic. On its face, it's kind of a classic whodunit murder mystery type thing. Who it's a, a murder novelist, right? A murder mystery novelist. He's this old man played by Christopher Plummer, and he's discovered dead the day after his, what was it, 80th birthday? 85th. 85th birthday. Man, he's old. Um so he's discovered dead, his uh, throat slit, right? And now we're brought in with these detectives who are trying to figure out what happened to him. And his whole family was there at the party, and they all seem to have motives to have killed him. And 
we're supposed to figure out who did it. So kind of a classic whodunit, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. What did you think of the movie, Cody? We saw this now a couple weeks ago. We went to an advanced screening of it. Yeah. Because we're cool like that. It was uh, it was good. Yeah. Very good. Yep. And I think like the for just right off the bat, it's a lot to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, just character wise, there's so many characters and stuff. Yep. I think that's like the first thing to kind of mention. I think there's a lot of big name uh, actors and actresses in this film. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, just looking at it, there's Daniel Craig of James Bond fame. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield is sort of a an up and coming actor. You might know him from Sorry to Bother You last year. Uh, Chris Evans, Captain America himself, yeah. is in this movie. Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson. I mean, this is a an all star cast. Yeah, what did you say about the director? He ended up like he used like rock star names to even like remember. Yeah, because he, yeah, he couldn't even remember. Yeah, he couldn't remember all the, the names. The so names that he, it's just so funny to like kind of think about that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, you're gonna be this person. This like person. Tony Collette's character's name was Joni, named after Joni Mitchell, and like all that was the case for all of the characters yeah. in the movie. Yes, yeah, so right off the bat, it's just it is a lot to follow, and they open with all those like opening interviews, like you kind of mentioned. It's mm-hmm. like everyone has their own motive for. The Who Done It, and I guess just to talk about the film, we are gonna have to really just kind of. If you haven't seen the film, this is the time to stop the podcast. Go, go see, see the, film, the film and, and come, come back, back and listen to we'll our wait. thoughts. Okay, okay, we waited long enough. <laughs> yeah, but, so uh, now we're gonna get full spoilery on yeah. the Knives Out because it's kind of hard to talk about it otherwise. Yeah, so, uh, Ana de Armas is probably she is the. Uh, well, caretaker. I, I want to get before before we get into like the specific okay. characters and stuff. Right. I kind of want to get your impressions of it because we talked about it's like a murder yeah. mystery film sort of thing. But like you said, you liked it. What did you like about it? What it's, you're what right. It's a modern like you? whodunit film. Yeah, uh, I've played like game wise. I've played Clue. I've played Mafia with my friends, mm-hmm. and I like those kind of games a lot. And right. It's very interesting. It's very fun. It's very you know just it's it's a frenzy kind of thing. And this movie had like all of that, you know. You're playing along. You kind of were playing that game yes. along with them. Like you're like, oh, it, no, sort this of, person yeah. did it, and then you're kind of like thinking, no, I, I think it's them. And you know, another clue or another, you know, uh, act happens, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. wait, hold on, my initial thought or whatever, and things like that. But like overall, it was just a modern whodunit film, and it was just very enjoyable to watch, and it yeah. was well directed. Like I said, with a, a really well. Uh, brought up cast so yeah i think i agree with you mostly although i will disagree with the with the fact that it's a modern whodunit i guess you could call anything a modern whodunit film it is whodunit at its core Mm -hmm. but really that's only the first 20 or so minutes of the movie because as soon as and you mentioned her just a second ago anna de armis shows up and she is the um caretaker caretaker of uh christopher Plummer's character harlan and once she shows up and you see her backstory, you know already what happened, right? So it's a who done it, but we already know who did it. Yeah. So really the premise of the film is figuring out is is everybody else catching up to that and it's more of a character study on all of these members of the family trying to figure out what their motivations are, how they react to these different things and how they interact as a family where their priorities are and I think that's what makes it sort of interesting because Ryan Johnson sort of has done this his whole career uh, I haven't seen all of his films but I've obviously seen the last Star Wars the, the last Jedi that he did um, and I've seen Looper which had uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Bruce Willis in it you remember that movie I do slightly it was like a movie. sci-fi time travel yeah thing 
And so what Ryan Johnson tends to do is he takes things that people are familiar with, like Star Wars or sci-fi or whodunit films, and he upends them. So you get sort of the best of both worlds, where one, you get this sort of familiar wrapping around your film that people enjoy, because like who doesn't love a murder mystery movie? Yeah, and he does but it so well. at the same time, it's really clever, and it's unique, yeah. and it keeps you guessing because it's not what you expect out of that kind of movie. Yeah. So in that way, it feels more exciting. Yeah, it was exciting, and the, like go back to the cleverness, like right away you actually see how he actually killed himself and like the reason he killed right. himself was because of a whole you know medicine mix-up and she thought she gave him something else and he's like here's what you have to do and to kind of get away with it yeah he, he kind of he, he does he does slit his own throat we find out very very early in the film yeah and you think that like would kind of be maybe maybe a turnoff you're like hearing this right now and you're just like well that's i already know what happened <laughs> yeah but you you don't and that's the whole clever it and twist. It still manages and to be mysterious still, yes. and still manages to have surprises. And kudos to that. Which is, yeah, it's it's really an incredibly written film, to be honest. I, I think that it's interesting, too, because there are three different levels of understanding that are going on in this movie, right? The first level is basically everyone in the movie except for... Um, what's his name? Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig's character. Okay. The detective, right? Yeah. He knows the most of anybody, right? The second level of understanding is Anna de Armas' characters and the audience because we're learning things as she does. We're on the same page as her. So that leaves everyone else in the movie, the rest of the family, on this lower tier of not knowing what the audience knows, but even the audience doesn't know what Benoit Blanc has already figured out because he's seen the blood stain. He's already figured out what's going on right so in that way it's sort of compelling because most of the time the audience knows more than the the film itself mm-hmm. or the characters in the moment right but in this case it's only half true right we think we know what's going on but actually there's a whole nother level to this movie that you don't figure out until the whole thing unravels at the end which is in my mind like that makes it one of the most it's just one of the most compelling things i've seen in theaters this year because you think you know what's going on, but you really don't have. Yeah, and it does the have grasp that quite it. poetic ending for sure. Yeah, exactly. So you want to talk about characters real quick? So go for it. Yeah, I mean, we kind of already mentioned there is so many characters in mm-hmm. this movie, and ultimately, if you're drawn to go see this movie because there's a certain uh, actor or actress that you like, I personally felt like they don't all get that screen time that you might think. I think there's really only three main characters. Um, I don't know if you agree to disagree, but like Daniel Craig's character, the detective uh, Blanc. Of course, uh, Ana de Armas as Marta and mm-hmm. uh, Chris Evans as uh, Ransom. Ransom. Hugh Ransom. Yeah, I mean yeah. Th- those really were the three like pivotal characters to the film. So yes, yes and no. I think that to the plot for sure. Yeah, those are the ones. Obviously, Ana, to progress the plot. Yeah, Ana de Armas is the one that yeah gives him the wrong medicine or thinks she does. Uh, Ransom is the one that actually mixed them up, right? And Benoit Blanc is the one that that's... is so not Captain America like. Just I know, for the record, right? Unbelievable. That he is guy. America's ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then like you said, Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, who's sort of tying this whole thing together. Um, for plot wise, those are the most important characters. But I do think that each of the other characters sort of has like in I guess a game of Clue, right? Yeah, they each no, have yeah. their own specific role to play yeah, that is really important to 
the dynamics of what the film's getting at. Um, as far as performances go, though, I think Ana de Armas is great. In she it. was really good. She's really good. I don't good. know what she's been in. I don't think she's been in a lot. She was in Blade Runner 2049. Mm. Uh, that's like her biggest credit. She's been in a couple other things, too. I'd have to look it up, though. Yeah, but she, yeah, she, I very much enjoyed her in this film, especially. Yeah. So she was great. I think Daniel Craig, I don't know really how to talk about Daniel <laughs> Craig's performance because I wouldn't say it was necessarily like a great performance, but he's having a blast, and you can just tell like yeah. he's having fun with it. And it was really fun to watch him with his, like, cornball, like, southern accent. And just, like, he, he's, like... You've been working on that southern accent, I know. I have. Hit, hit me with something. I can't. I can't oh, do it. come on. It has man. to be in the moment. All right. Um, Chris Evans, too, is is having fun, I think, like, letting loose after being sort well, I of... I mean, he's been known as Captain America, and I think this is his first, like, breakout film since yeah. that whole, you know, Marvel series mm -hmm. of being Captain America, and I think he enjoys it, you know, he's been someone for so long, it's nice to do something fresh and something new, so... Yeah. I, I do I see agree. him enjoying that as well. Yeah, but I mean, like, everybody in this is, is fun in their own way, and because there's so many characters and because they're all sort of, like, bit parts yeah. in this puzzle, they all get to have, like, these these very specific yeah. personalities I don't know his name. I can't. Strange. I don't know his name, but it was the it was the husband. He's like, and who the fuck is that? <laughs> which, wait, which one was that? Was the he... Hus the husband. Which husband? There's multiple husbands god dang it like i said the one who says that um yeah one of them's don johnson one of them's michael shannon don johnson's the one with the grayer hair michael no. shannon's the other one yeah it was michael, michael shannon then yeah. yeah i don't know what his character's name was in the movie yeah. but no, it, but it just it sets the whole tone for the movie like right away with that joke of like and who the fuck is that? And then Blonkin's one of the picture and stuff. And but at the same time, it's like Tony <laughs> Collette's character is just like, oh, I read a tweet of a New Yorker article headline <laughs> about you. It's just like you're famous. It's a right. lot of fun. So as fun as this movie was, let's dive into a little bit more of the uh, finesse, the more the serious aspects, serious here. aspects of what this movie was also trying to say. Well, I want to hear what you, what you think this movie is trying to say. Because I have a, a sort of strong opinion about this. I know. And you told me your strong opinion, and I listened to it. And, I mean, the things that stood out were, of course, right off the bat, um, if you're not already aware, Martha is an immigrant, and they make that very clear during mm -hmm. the movie. And the family doesn't know where she's from. That just they That's just a, it's say, a running gag. Yeah, yeah. it's a running gag. I don't He's, know where oh, she's from. She's from Honduras, so yeah. her family's from Guatemala, and it's just like every character says a but different they, but country. But they, but they love her, and I'll put that in air quotes. Right, they, they love her. Oh, well, she's part of the family. Like, it's like when she shows up. Oh, sorry, you didn't get invited to the funeral. Um, I got outvoted, and they they all say that. So they all got outvoted for her showing up, which yeah. is wild but yeah and, and and then it comes to the point in the film where of course this gentleman that is now dead is all his riches are supposed to go to the family Paul and thromby and you find out that the riches end up going to martha yeah the whole and inheritance all of a sudden martha yeah you know they're accusing her now no one's her family in this situation and it, it, it does speak volume to to kind of feel like for me it was the entitlement like that's the biggest thing i mm -hmm. got out of that side of the serious nature of this film was how entitled this family felt to you know these riches for something that they really haven't done like it was his writing it was his novels and they're just reaping the rewards of mm -hmm. his success and martha's just there obviously as a hire as 
you know, as the caretaker, but she develops, you can kind of see just in the short scenes that he's yeah, alive. She's playing go with him. She's yeah, yeah, she does things with him and she genuinely cares for him. It's not about the money. She's in a, you know, good spot in terms of like where like her family, like she's, she's, she knows her place and she's willing to do what she needs to kind of do. Yeah. Um, and not like, Oh, how can I, you know, move up that chain on the, you know, basically the, the deed. Mm-hmm. or the, his will for that matter right um and so yeah i mean that was the biggest thing i got out of it was just the entitlement that this whole family had and just in that one scene where he reads the the will and it's just like all of a sudden it's like oh nope martha's no longer our friend like, yeah they turn they turn on it. her real quick yeah she done it and real quick and it's like no one you know no one even wants to listen to her at this point and it's, it is kind of you know upsetting i guess uh to that nature but i know you got a lot more to say but th- th- i mean that's what i took out of it so right yeah i i mean that's mostly the same thing that we're talking about but i think it's a little more targeted than that as well because there's an important scene that happens just before that where the family is sort of arguing about politics and they're literally i think talking about donald trump in this argument and stuff and there's one character played by Jaden martell uh who if you're not familiar with him he's the uh kid from it Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, so that that kid and he he's hilarious in this because he is like he doesn't really say much or do much, but he's just yeah, isn't he sort just of, on the phone in the bathroom. Yeah, like, that's he's like his one scene. On the phone and he's like wearing his pretentious like prep school uniform and like his dad literally calls him a Nazi like two times. <laughs> and they're all arguing in this living room about politics and stuff, just like any family gathering right it ends up i mean we've been there at thanksgiving before you know like that's where conversation goes when the family's all together and don't you love family gatherings it's wonderful it's wonderful I hate you. and so i think there's like a really important distinction made there where these family these family members are sort of have this animus towards each other in that sense but as soon as their money gets taken away they're all on the same side they're all against marta because she is this immigrant coming in and taking what's rightfully theirs and i just think it's this really like interesting rebuke of it's not just a rebuke of like conservatism or anything like that it's not just the trump people in the family that are like turning on her it's the neoliberals in the family that are doing it too and i think a really powerful example of that is um katherine langford's character so that is i think tony collette's daughter in the movie she is she plays the um the girl that died in 13 reasons why Mm -hmm. that's what she's probably most notable for but the whole movie she's sort of like this ally and and friend of martha right yeah she's the only one that's okay she comes and checks in on her and then when all this is going down right she escapes with ransom and um catherine langford's character calls her and is like hey you need to give the money back and it's just this sort of like okay as soon as you take something from them you are not or not even take something like you're given something that they thought they deserved you're not a part of this family anymore you're not oh they're willing to take care of you when uh, when you're getting nothing but when you have everything now you're the enemy now you're the villain now you're not welcome here anymore and so i think it was sort of i think that was the most interesting part of the movie to me you know is like sort of turning the tables on that thing and and saying like all of these characters would be the first ones to tell you how hard they worked for what they got but they didn't 
really work all that hard at all, right? They were sort of given everything yeah. their whole life, and that was Christopher Plummer's whole point from the beginning. So I think that to talk about this movie and not talk about politics is hard because I think it's pretty right there on the sleeve. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, just relating it to, like, real life, too. It's like Martha's one of those, you know, hardworking people. She mm-hmm. she gets what she works for, and then you have these, you know, family members, and just like, you know, real life, you have, you know, children, truthfully, I hate to say it, but just spoiled, and it's like, yeah. oh, my daddy bought me this, or, you know. Coasting off of Coasting off of success. parents' yeah. success, and it's like, honestly, if your money was gone tomorrow, what do you have to, like, you know, what are your skills? What do you offer? What What is your way of making money? Well, it's exactly the, the point with Michael Shannon's character who's running, like, the publishing yeah. branch yes. of Harlan's books, right? Yeah. And he wants to bring them to Netflix or whatever, but he's not really doing anything. Like, Harlan's writing these books. Harlan's already established himself Correct. as a writer and, and built up a fan base. So all that um, Michael Shannon's character is doing is just putting the books out and uh, collecting the check for him being basically the middleman same thing with jamie lee curtis right she's continues to claim that she's built up this business but she's built up this business by um a million dollar gift from her father so it's it's one of those things where it's just just mentioning those things too at the same time it's like it's so good too. just going back to the whole like how he directed this it's like as much as like at times you feel for every character Mm mm-hmm you just like you spite that character sometimes just as yeah much. they're all pretty bad people <laughs> for the just most like, part really? <laughs> and so. like ransom's no exception right i think the movie tri- sort of holds ransom out as like this outcast of fuck them. all you yeah. guys y'all like suck like but really he's the one that's actually doing pretty evil shit to like try and get his share of the money back right and so it just goes to show you man like when it comes to money, like people will do some really shitty things. And Ain't so, that the truth, bro? Yeah, and that's why Knives Out rules. Yeah, and that end scene too that really just speaks the whole volume of that film too, where she walks out on like the terrace or whatever, just looking down, and on and then them. looks down because Ransom's being taken off in like the detective car, yeah. and then the whole family turns around and they're all looking up, and it's like, oh dang, she does have all the money. Yeah, and and it's just so, like, getting away from that part of it, just talking about sort of fun elements of the movie in general. Um, when we went to go see it, right, it was, it was like, a Saturday pre-release thing, so the, the theater was full. Yeah, full, all of them, the Love and Who Done It films, of course. Yeah, everyone's having a blast, right? And so at the end, right, when Ransom's been figured out, he uh, he grabs a knife off of this. There's this big yeah, the throne. like throne See, surrounded yeah. by knives, and he goes and he stabs Marta, right? And that scene is just so fun because if you're paying attention at the beginning, uh, there's a part where um, Harlan has the knife that he's going to kill himself with, and he says something like, my own kids wouldn't even know the difference between a real knife and a, and a fake knife or like a, a prop knife or yeah. whatever, right? So if you were paying attention then, you knew as soon as he stabbed her that it, it was a fake. Knife. It was a fake knife. So I was just like busting up laughing as he stabs her because I had, like I figured it out and put it together. And, I was yeah. like, and then there's that lady. Hilarious. It's fake. It's fake. Yeah. So that was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed that sequence because it was sort of like this nice payoff to the whole thing. But like the blood on Marta's shoe was sort of a satisfying payoff too. Yeah, that's the whole little like nice little you know round out of the whole film tied mm. up kind of with a bow kind of you know i know it wasn't you from the beginning because look you got blood on your shoe and that's from when she climbed up that window or whatever right 
And it was funny too. We never mentioned it, but like the whole like fake, uh, she can't lie, right? She'll yeah, throw was, up it like like that's not real. Like goofy, if she lies, fine, she'll throw you know? up. And in the film, like when she, you know, she has to like twist her words to where she doesn't lie, so she doesn't throw up. Yeah. And when she does lie, she does throw up, and it's just like that would never happen. But it is funny. But it's, it's little like funny. it's a fun twist yeah. to like a kind of goofy movie. Other otherwise, so Knives Out is great. Um, I plan on writing about it at some point. So if I do, I will put the link in this episode's show notes. I kind of want to see the movie again first, though. All right. So, but initial impressions, letterbox score, initial what impressions. Do you, what do you rate in this? Film? I gave this one a four out of five. Really liked it. Maybe it is the season because I also gave this film four out of five. We agree on something again, Evan. Get that. I think we're going to be in pretty good agreement on the next one too. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of films I think in this last month that we're going to be in agreement on. Yeah, this <laughs> is when all the good movies come out. So, uh, so. But yeah, speaking of Letterbox, though, real quick, you did make me rank all of my 2019 films so far. Yeah, check out Cody's so, Letterbox for his, DJ uh, wrote. Go check it out. I ranked them all. He changes it like every 20 minutes. No, too. I didn't. But so it made me really question. It made me, it made me question. Like, okay, where did this actually? Like, I did change some star ratings too afterwards. Yeah. So, but I mean, it does put things in perspective. So yeah, yeah go check it out. Okay. <laughs> Let's play a game. Okay. You ready to play a game? So yeah, the, this, game we the made month five of minutes December is basically going to be Evan gives Cody a quiz month because most of the games we're going to be playing this month are me asking Cody questions <sighs> and him having to figure out what uh, what I'm talking about, essentially. All right. All I got to say is fire away. So what we wanted to do this week was something murder mystery related, you know, tie in with Knives Out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Cody's uh, brand new letterboxed ranked list of 2019. Oh, look at all the movies that he's seen. Oh, baby. And then I am going to pick movies where somebody in the movie dies. Dies? Dies. Like dead dead? Yes. Okay. They are no longer alive. And Cody has to tell me what movie that is. All right. I'm ready, dude. Okay. Let's start with... Hmm. I should have done some prep for this beforehand. <laughs> you did say five minutes before. Okay. I tried to play it off like it was a few weeks of planning. Right. All right. So, Cody, the suspect is found late afternoon. Cause of death? Burns? 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 Yeah. What, what would that be called if you'd, like, die in a fire? Great ball of fire. Yeah, I, I don't know. Caught on fire. So that so, I don't want to say incinerated. Su- suspect is uh, has been burnt to death, along with um, asphyxiation from smoke. Asphyxiation from smoke. He, um, <laughs> you you figure it out yet? No, I I really haven't. That's you, sad. You don't remember how many movies did you see where someone died in a fire? <laughs> I apparently one too many because I do not know right off the top of my head. Were there any suspects? Sus, no suspects. It was uh, deemed an accident. It was deemed an accident. It was deemed an accident. Uh, there were responders on the scene. 
but they could not reach him in time to save him from the fire. Hmm. And that was the murder? There was no murder weapon found? No cause murder. of death was fire? Cause, the cause of death was fire. Unbelievable. Deemed I, an accident. Deemed an accident. Deemed an accident. Who was the lead detective? Well, can I read the file? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to buy time to actually think about this. All right, I'll give you 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Died in a fire. 5. Who died in a four, fire? 3. I would be a really bad two, detective. Detective Rote is not on your case. One, you don't want him. Ford versus Ferrari. Oh my lord. Come on. Oh my lord. All right, so so I really forgot about As that. As we refine this, yeah. we will um, allow you to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I asked the questions. Okay. Ready? I'm a bad detective. Second one. Suspect was murdered. <gasps> Murder. I suspect foul yes. play. Foul play, sure. By blunt force trauma to the head. To the head. Specifically the face. Oh, my God. What kind of weapon? The murder weapon, a can of dog food. A can of dog a food? A can of dog food. Really? Yes. Do I not remember any of the do, movies? Do you not know I this? this? Okay. All right. Year. All right. I, there, there was another victim. Okay. Two suspects. Okay. The second victim, cause of death, also burns. Burns. Death by fire. Death by fire. Man, there's a lot of death by fire. Yes. Two, two suspects. Okay. Location of the crime. Ooh, a house. A house. A house. Yes. In the hills. In the hills. Of Hollywood. Of Hollywood. No? Oh, yeah. The flamethrowers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the guy did die. So, by. what's the movie? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Planet Hollywood. All right. I did say Hollywood in, in my description, so that's a freebie. Yes. No? Okay. This one's going to be tough, too. It's going to be so case Case closed. Case closed. All right. I'm you one solved, for two. You solved that one. I, I'm one for two. 50%. Not bad. How are we feeling about this game so far? Uh, Pretty good. Okay, good. Uh, all right. This one's going to be tricky. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Suspect found deceased Ooh, in a warehouse. Found dead in a warehouse. Downtown. Downtown. Where downtown? Like LA downtown? I can't tell you that. That'll give it away. Okay. So. All right. Warehouse alone. Yes. Two suspects. Another two suspects. Cause of death. Fire. Fire. But <laughs> really, no trace. Why does everybody? Die no by trace fire? of fire found anywhere in the warehouse. No trace of uh, actual fire. Real fire. Hmm. Death by fire. This one's gonna be tough. I don't think you're gonna get it. It's funny how like you you're like reminiscing about these movies and it's like the death I guess wasn't the main factor in any of these movies because I yes. can't think of any of them. Suspect like, are a boy and his father. Okay, boy and his father. Suspect. Yes. Okay. Yep. Those were the two suspects. A boy and his father. Yes. Attempted to flee on an invisible motorcycle. Attempted to flee on an <laughs> invisible. <laughs> Come motorcycle. on, Cody. I'm giving you lots of clues. <laughs> I need another clue. That's all I can give you. Okay. I would have all the case files in all front right. of me for all the murders. I'm not giving you credit for this one, but I'll give you the last clue. All right. I probably still won't get it. Scene of the crime, Rhyme City. Nope. No? No. Rhyme City? Rhyme City. That means nothing to me. That means nothing <laughs> to me. <laughs> the answer, sir? You want to take a guess? No, give me 10 seconds, though. 10, 9, Rhyme City. 8, Death by Fire. 7, Why does everyone die by six, fire? 6, 5, 
five, four, three. I'm gonna run out of time. Two. I don't one. Know. I don't know. The answer, Cody, was Detective Pikachu. Holy moly! The murder victim was Mr. Mime. Remember oh, that scene? the father. Yeah, you remember that scene where he the... didn't die though. He could have died. Okay. All right. That one maybe was less fair. <laughs> I love Ryan Reynolds. All right. Uh, this one, victim was or perpetrator. Oh man, this I don't know how to describe this. Okay, victim died by fire trampling. Oh. Victim was trampled uh, by a horse uh, or by people. One suspect. Oh, one Actually, suspect. technically two t- two suspects. No, there's always one, two. One fled the just scene, just like death by fire. One okay. fled the scene. All right, one fled the scene. The other one is the one that actually did it. And he was trampled. Trampled. Trampled to death. This should be easy. Trampled to death. Trampled to death. Like just run over? Yes, run over. Primary suspect uh, fled the scene. Mm-hmm. Last known location, the woods, the forest. The woods and the forest. Two accomplices Two out accomplices in the forest. Out in the forest. The only forest movie I'm thinking of is... Uh, frozen from last week but you're on the right track there's no death in you're frozen. on the right track is <laughs> i guess not. not no like name characters die in trampled frozen. yeah trampled to death i can't give you any more clues no more clues all right come on 10 mm. think it over nine eight Man, seven I, just, I guess i've seen so many movies so quickly six Five. I'm gonna be one for four. one for four. Take no. a guess. Uh, I told you on the right track with Frozen Two. Is it Doctor Sleep? Two. One. Uh, Final it's, guess. It's probably a Disney movie. Then you have a guess. No. It's The Lion King. Oh my god. Come on. Oh my god. All right, I've got to give you one more. Right. Hmm. This is. People are gonna watch this and go. I'm glad Cody's an engineer and not a detective because this guy sucks. Okay, this is this is difficult. All of them have apparently been difficult. I no, this is difficult for me to pick out. Oh, okay. All right, suspect died in apparent suicide. Okay, he apparent suicide. Oh, knives out. Suicide. Only witness was his son. His son. Okay. Yep. He. Shot himself into Jupiter. He shot <laughs> himself into Jupiter before his ship was blown up in a nuclear explosion. Oh, that was uh my you know favorite film of the year so far, Ad Astra. Good job, <laughs> two for five. Yeah, which is what I rated Ad Astra. I think <laughs> you moved it up on your uh, your last rating. Ad Astra, right. great movie. How we're did gonna... I get? How can I get that one? We're gonna t- and I couldn't talk get... about that the... some more later. All right, hey. No, but... Ad Detective Astra. wrote, would you hire me? No. You were terrible at this game. Well, I have the rest of the month to make up for it. You know, I can't blame you for the... Um, I should have got the Lion King. You should have got the Lion King. I can't blame you for the Detective Pikachu one. That yeah, one was, dude. That one was <laughs> not fair. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're admitting it. But, yeah. there was. I was trying to figure out how to do uh, the art of racing in the rain, but I decided against it. 
Um, it's already a sad movie. Yeah. But <laughs> stay tuned, everyone, for next week's game in which we are going to play a game called Is This a Real Netflix Movie <laughs> or One That Evan Made Up? I'm ready. I hope you're ready because it's going to be fun. No cheating either. Don't look up Netflix movies. I'm not. No, 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 no! And cut! So where do we start? I don't know, boss. You tell me. I'm obviously not equipped to make any decisions. I want you to write an account of your memories. From what? Sometimes I wish I was you, man. I'd be famous, have paparazzi, girls chasing me around. I'll teach you what I do. I'll give you what I have. Trust me, honey boy, I'm your father. Cody, what can you tell me about Honey Boy? What is this movie? Honey Boy. Honey Boy. Why is there a chicken on the poster? What's going on here? Why is there a chicken on the poster? (laughs) We'll get into that, but uh, just a quick overview. It is a uh, it was screen written by Shia LaBeouf. Yes. And it's pretty much his true ish true-ish story about his life with yeah, his they, father. Yeah, they changed the names and yeah. but it's mostly the same. And it just it really just goes through his life as a child actor growing up, uh, specifically even Stevens. And in even this, Stevens is not specifically referenced in the movie. <laughs> no, it's not, but it I mean he de- that was like his first that was like about name that time, fame yeah. like yeah. But it, yeah, it just goes through his life. Um, as a child, and how he how he viewed his father, even Stevens now on Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney, please give us money. <laughs> Way to shout out Disney right there. But I mean, there's really nothing more uh, getting in without getting into details. But yeah. it really is just. I mean, he he well, had court ordered rehab. Sure. And it was either well, go to rehab, go, go to, to rehab, jail. or go to jail. And he decided to go with the rehab, and yep. an outlet yeah. was the writing. And this is really where that screenplay came from and gave it up and it was directed. And uh, he played his father in this film, actually. That, you're burying the lead. That's it. That's so, it right there. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good, What are too. your initial impressions on the I film? I think uh, I've talked about it a little bit, but this is a film that I really appreciated. I don't know that I enjoyed it quite as much as you did, but I admire the film, right? The director, Alma Harrell, uh she takes pretty painstaking effort to craft this film to make sure you understand exactly what uh, what's going on. And there's a few sequences where let me let me backtrack. Essentially, this movie is about, like you said, young Shia LaBeouf. In this movie, his name is Otis, and he's played by Noah Jupe, who uh, is actually having a pretty big year. He was in uh, Ford versus Ferrari as earlier the, this as year the child too, as, as, well. as the child. Yeah. Good job, Otis. Good job, Noah Jupe. And so he's really great as Otis. And you can sort of feel these threads pulling at him. One is, you know, trying to help out his dad, for one. But another one is not wanting to become like his dad. And you can see it happen over time, right? And there's, there's certain sequences where one that sticks out specifically is they are rehearsing for a part that Otis has where he has to um, he has to be like a bodybuilder kind of like it's a joke role right so he's got to get these laughs by uh, flexing and, and that sort of thing right and so Shia LaBeouf playing his own dad obviously is um, sort of showing him these flexes to do and they're sort of doing them in sync and the camera just lines them up perfectly and there's another there's another sequence where um, Shia LaBeouf's like sitting up in the bathroom like 
throwing up because he's like relapsed and Otis is over by the bed and they're both just sitting there smoking and you sort of see the reflection of his dad and him at a young age and then you see it in um, Lucas Hedges' portrayal of older Shia LaBeouf like Transformers era Shia LaBeouf yeah and it is funny because I I kind of was looking into that too that opening scene where he's like hooked up to all of like mm-hmm. the uh, the cables and the stuff. cables and stuff and him being thrown it kind of it it kind of is a because I think his biggest film as of recently probably was Transformers I mean yeah with, like back, back when yeah yeah sure. like going growing up it's like oh Shia LaBeouf did okay and then he took a break for took a break because of all his you know yeah you know just do it and, and that- he kind of you know became that crazy guy and I'm gonna just hop in here go ahead and just because of all that stuff right Shia LaBeouf kind of had like you know that up and down roller coaster yeah. of his success I, I mean I remember watching Even Stevens it was a very good show uh, during my time of watching Disney and then Transformers but like in between it's like you know he kind of lost his way you feel like and you didn't really hear mm-hmm. about him and if you heard about him it wasn't in a positive way right and when he goes and writes the script I you know same thing it's like I can't as much understand it because I don't have that kind of relationship uh, the toxic, the, relationship you know, that toxic with relationship yeah. with a, with a parent to really, you know, dive into that struggle, and it is just an appreciation for Shia LaBeouf not only to write it, but to then go ahead and showcase it, and even further showcase it as playing his father. Yeah. To you know, hey, this is like how I saw you, and how this kind of you know this relationship that we developed. Um, so it is, it is really just, you know, it is an appreciation for Shia LaBeouf and I really, you know, I like Shia LaBeouf. I think he's he's, a good actor. He is pretty good when you actually give him the chance and give him the right kind of roles. Um, I mean, we've seen peanut butter Falcon this year. I thought he He was was very very good good in that. that, And I think playing his own father, especially knowing that he plays his own father in this film, that couldn't have been easy. Yeah. And he did it so well and kind of with the grace and, you know, he did a lot of interviews and the biggest thing that stood out to me, um, during all these interviews, of course, the big question is, um, that was pretty much asked is, did you, you know, did you show this to your father? Or did you? Well, talk he had to get it? approval on the. He did have to get approval. Yeah, and he um, did. Yeah. The, the story I heard was that his uh, dad wanted Mel Gibson to play him. <laughs> <laughs> really? And that Mel Gibson didn't respond to Shia LaBeouf's yeah. uh, reaching out, but I think it worked out, right? Yeah. I, I mean, because I mean, there was a couple of facts I did want to pull out from his father. Yeah, you know, um, just from the film, like he actually did uh, sell drugs and grow weed and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was something he really did, and he. Uh, had a couple tours in Vietnam, which was the alcohol problem that we know shall showcase in the film yep. as well. Um, and you're right. He did have to go get approval from his dad who had fled the country because he was uh, pretty much a sex offender. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, his, his, Not dad a had, guy. his dad had a lot of demons. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, you saw that in the film. And you're right. You know, Shia LaBeouf as a child, mm-hmm. it's like having to see his dad deal with those demons. And, you know, where does he lie? Like, he's still trying. That yeah, too. still rising up. And, yeah. You know, he wants to view his father as a, you know, as that heroic figure, like anyone wants to view their father. Like your father is like your hero. Like you want to look up to him. You want to follow in his footsteps. But in this case, it's like, you know, you're you're taking those are not footsteps I want to follow. Sure. And I can't speak necessarily to exactly what Shia LaBeouf is thinking throughout Mm -hmm. this whole process, but we can speak to what the movie portrayed. And I think what was interesting about it was that. The movie, the way I described it in our notes was that the movie sort of pulled some punches with the dad, I think, based on what you just described. It sounds like he was a lot worse of a guy than maybe 
the movie even makes them out to be. This isn't a movie that I think hates Shia LaBeouf's dad, but I think it is a movie that is critical of him, but also empathetic to him, right? There's a lot of sequences that show him yeah, the at juggling, AA, the juggling scene or is a big that one. show him with these moments of kindness where he yeah. is looking out for his son, where he is trying to be better, but he just can't get out of his own way. Yeah. And I again, I don't know how accurate that depiction is yeah. of him, but I think it's it makes for a really interesting movie because he is sort of just this flawed figure. He's not not necessarily just this evil figure, but a flawed one. And I think that makes it that much more difficult when you see like Lucas Hedges, uh, Shia LaBeouf, or older Otis in the movie, or Noah Jupe dealing with these things. Like, what you're seeing is them reacting to the fact that, hey, this is a man that has put me in a position to yeah. succeed. Yeah, this, he was diagnosed I, with PTSD, correct? I, I believe. Think I believe so? he was in the film, and for real, Shia LaBeouf was diagnosed with oh, PTSD. Oh, Shia LaBeouf, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Yes. And so I think it's one of those things where it might have even been said when he's talking to his parole officer um, where he's saying, like, no, this he, my dad made me who I am. Like, yeah, sure, he wasn't always the best guy, but I wouldn't be who I am without him. And it's sort of reckoning... That's maybe the most interesting integral piece of the whole thing is understanding that like even the bad experiences we have, even the, the bad people we interact with have an impact on shaping who we are. And I think that was mostly my takeaway from the movie of like, yeah, my being raised was pretty shitty, uh, speaking as like Shia LaBeouf, right? But if not for this experience, I wouldn't be who I am right now. And now I'm going to use that level that I've reached to sort of explore my own story, sort of like he does with writing the movie and rehab in the film. This is sort of, I would imagine, and I would hope, a cathartic experience for Shia LaBeouf, for him to to sort of grapple with his own childhood at this point, which makes it interesting. Again, I don't know that I'd watch the movie again. It'll be on Amazon. It's an Amazon Prime movie, so it'll be on Amazon Prime probably early middle next year but it's not one i'm eager to revisit but it's one that i think i really appreciated in seeing it you know what i mean yeah and just like alluding to all that like what you said it's like it also just goes to show you like you know pain can't be erased necessarily right like he's had to deal with that and as much as you know it was good for him to probably write that and maybe not you know knowing it was going to be a screenplay but then thinking about it like how much harder it might have been to deal with with even playing his dad at that point. Yeah. You know, going back to that, it's like, I'm pretty sure that was painful uh, to do. And at the same time, kind of enlightening, like, you know, like a, a burden's been lifted off his shoulders kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really appreciate Shia LaBeouf and I, I do think it was very well directed and it does go to like, like I said, it goes to show you that, you know, not all stories have a happy ending. Uh, I'm not saying he wrote this to get empathy. Do you think he, you know, maybe that's a question I can ask you real quick. Do you think he, like, wrote this to get empathy on, like, because, you know, he kind of was lost and people kind of bag on him for all that kind of stuff during those, like, years. And it's like, oh, he's like a druggie or anything like that. Like, do you think there's, like, I don't, honestly, I I don't get that sense. I don't, honestly, I don't really get the sense that Shia LaBeouf cares all that much about what other, like, if he cared about what other people thought in a general sense like he maybe would have the probably never done this him, movie anyway no he probably never would have like 
been so wild in public and all that. And I, I guess like it is, there's a certain amount of bravery to what he's doing with this film of telling such a personal story to the world. But again, I don't necessarily know that i mean because the movie doesn't even paint him in the best of light either no because they he keeps going back like his dad does something you know wrong or whatever and and otis in the film is like well wait a minute i i pay for you to be here you don't have to treat me like and he always reminds him of that like yes you're here because of the and but that's him as a kid too i i mean more in the um in the lucas hedges parts of the movie okay where he's like going out and crashing cars and then yeah the very beginning like, of the film being a fucking shit in rehab yeah. and like which is what he was before rehab and and that is a level of reflection that indicates to me that he's not looking for sympathy he's looking to actually reckon with himself and his father right because like if if shia labeouf just wanted people to feel bad for him he would have made a movie that painted his dad to be much more of a villain and would have painted him to be much more sympathetic when he was writing the movie in rehab right but he was like lucas hedge's character in that older otis is not a good guy necessarily right he's got some issues he doesn't treat people great he's dealing with some stuff right but i think that if shia labeouf really just wanted sympathy he would have made a much less dense movie in my opinion i don't know what you think no i i, I agree with you evan you're right. Thank you, Cody. Enjoy that. It's the only time I'll probably ever give it to you. I'm going to cry. Gonna Don't break. cry. Then I'll cry. <laughs> no, okay. Anyway, uh, but what do is... you think about the performances in the movie, though? Because I think we talked about Shia LaBeouf being really good yeah. in it. And again, yeah, he's, he's had a great, I think he's had a great year. I think he's been in some yeah, films that have really movies, showcased like, he's very good what in. he's kind of about now. And, uh, and they're yeah. very different performances, too. Yes. In, the, in that sense, you know, like this one is much more dominant aggressive and and peanut butter falcon is free spirit yeah exactly you know, still kind of mischievous because of the whole you know, but yeah right but it is sort of a different thing and i think you can see echoes of it i guess yeah of both performances but they're both very good um what did you think of lucas hedges as older shia labeouf he was he wasn't really as involved in this movie. I think it really was. Right. Uh, no I mean, jupe. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, him as Otis. That was really the standout performance. I mean, it really was just the two of them for majority of the film. Yeah. So it's really only for them to really talk about. Um, but I liked Otis a lot, him yeah. playing Otis. I thought and he actually did a pretty decent uh, Shia LaBeouf impersonation, to be honest. I mean, he doesn't look exactly like Shia LaBeouf or anything. Looks aren't everything. We learned that from uh, Mr. Rogers. True, but I thought I thought like he got the sort of vocal intonations pretty well, and like sort of the wild and chaotic, unpredictable nature yeah. of Shia LaBeouf at that time down pretty well. I just kept thinking like, and maybe that's not a good thing that I kept thinking like, oh, that's a really good impersonation. But that was sort of what I thought, especially when the person you're impersonating is in the movie with you, which is just kind of crazy too. Yeah. So I, then, I thought that was an interesting. Yeah, and he was he was good into Ford versus Ferrari, like. I liked him in that. Oh, no, I'm not talking about Noah Jupe. I'm not talking about the little kid. Oh. I was talking about the Shia LaBeouf in Rehab. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Lucas Hedges. He was in something else we just saw, too, but I've seen so much stuff. My brain is mush. So, uh, no, but Noah Jupe, the, the little kid was incredible in this. I thought he was probably the best part of it. Like, really, really good, because you could see sort of the 
pain and like you could just see the whole like every emotion that you're supposed to feel for him is just right there on his face without him having to say anything without him having to be too over the top or extreme like his performance is great like excellent child acting some of the best of the year i don't even know what other child actors have done child (laughs) acting this year but (laughs) yeah no oh yeah overall it was just it was a really enjoyable film and then you know the biggest takeaway is you know it might not be a rewatchable movie but it is Mm -hmm. something that should be seen to be appreciated yeah um but so then letterbox grade letterbox grade i think i gave it three and a half three and a half if i remember right i am on the shia labeouf train of the year i gave it four out of five stars yeah i was like right on the cusp there of four stars like i said it was a good movie i just i didn't love it the way that um some people have this year but it was good definitely check it out you could say me and that movie as well as knives out are currently playing in wide release i think so at least knives out is uh honey boy i want to say is so if you want to check those out go see them in theaters if you want to wait for honey boy it's going to be a little while uh till it comes to amazon Cody, I had fun today. How'd, how'd you feel about that? I felt great, man. You're a terrible detective. True. But you're great at talking about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as true either, but... Okay. <laughs> um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll just real quick shout out uh, our social media platforms. You can find us just about anywhere at Spinning the Reel. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Um, so check that out. Cody, we're on some new platforms to listen. We are. We pretty much, there's this app that we got into. It's called Anchor. Yeah, so you can find us at what, anchor.fm? Yeah, anchor.fm is like now the main site, but it does release it now on all platforms in terms of where you pretty much are going to listen to any of your podcasting. We're Uh, talking Google Play. We're talking Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Spotify was a big one we were looking to get on. We're talking CastBox. We're... But we didn't get rid of SoundCloud. We're still on SoundCloud. We're still on SoundCloud. Still on SoundCloud. Uploading through SoundCloud. So, you know, we, we listen to you guys. It seems like you guys had a mixed set of platforms and where you guys were trying to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so really anywhere you kind of listen to podcasts at this point, if it's not there yet, be patient with us. It's going through the review process. We're hoping to be up on really anything that, you know, you should be listening to a podcast on. Yep. Um, and we just, you know, appreciate the listens, appreciate a follow button, reviews, comments, anything. Yeah. Leave us a like, a a review, a comment. Um, And with that, we'll let you all go. Uh, Catch up on your Netflix movies because that's uh, coming up next week. DJ Rope out.